You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies with Mickey and Megan, two best friends adventuring through motherhood, building our careers, and and not losing losing our shit. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. This is Megan. And this is Mickey. Hey, everyone. How was your long weekend? Oh, yeah, it was nice. I hope everyone got to spend some time either just with the people in your house or maybe like a few other people. We got to go and um, we just spent time with our immediate extended family, just like our, our parents and my husband's sister, the same people we've been seeing. So we felt safe, but um, it was nice to go to someone's house that wasn't ours. And nice. we stayed outside almost all day and got to watch fireworks and just feel you know, somewhat normal for once. How about, how about you guys? It was good. It's 4th of July is also my mom's birthday. So it's always been so fun. And we usually have a clam boil at my Grammy's house, um, like with the whole family and it was canceled this year. And so we still wanted to keep like some of the tradition. So I did a shrimp boil, which we've done some years in the past, like for different family functions. And we just had like my mom and my Grammy, which I was super nervous about because she's going to be 82 this year. Um, but we were all masked up and my sister and her fiance came and we just we stayed like 10 feet away from each other the whole time. We were outside the whole time in the backyard and it was really well needed. And I think my mom had a really good birthday. So, yeah, yeah it went really good. Oh. But um Yeah, we've got a really fun episode for you guys this week. We're going to be talking about parenting in 2020 and the new normal um, and just kind of, you know, how to talk to your kids about some of the current events that have been happening. And yeah, it's going to be a good one. So before we get our guest on, we're going to jump into our highs and lows and get this episode started. So do you want to go first? Sure. Sure. Um, let's see, my high will, it just has to be 4th of July. (laughs) Like, we just had so much fun. My sister-in-law, um, they live out, um, like, way, I mean, it's only a few minutes off the freeway, but it's, like, 25 minutes from our house. But they live in this amazing, like, they have one acre, but they're surrounded by acreage just in this little, like, valley, totally private, um, amazing spot so we like spent a bunch of money on fireworks like between us and and their family and um had the kids the cousins got to play together and we the kids all of us stayed up till midnight which is ridiculous like that is so late we like made sure to take a nap during the day so the kids could stay up but it was a beautiful fireworks show we just all had so much fun I think everyone had it just it, we're so appreciative of being able to be together and spend time like with mm-hmm. each other. It it was amazing, even though like you know we're still not doing like a lot of hugging or anything like that. Still like kind of keeping it safe, but it was it was almost a normal family get together. So That's awesome. that yeah, it was much needed and so much fun. We're definitely paying for it still. Like the sleep thing, kids just don't mm-hmm. recover. Oh, I shouldn't blame them. Totally, because Mike and I are still really recovering. Too, well, it's just from... draining being social oh, now, too. Yeah, 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 it is. It's so, yeah, it was it was a lot. So we're kind of getting back into our kind of routine we have going on now. But, um, but yeah, that, it was a lot of fun. It was a really great, great day. Um, my low is, I don't know what exactly has been, like, the cause of it but um I've just gotten like really I'm just so stressed out about the whole virus like just in general and now they're they're throwing around ideas for going back to school and there's like so many surveys they're throwing out there and um I feel like they're just like every every day it's something different they're learning more and more about this virus and how it's transmitted and everything and um my husband mentioned something that it's like They think it's airborne now, not just like from like cough. There's like before we thought it was just like coughing into someone's face. But now they think it might be like lingering in the air. Just like it's just a lot. And so today I have just mentally gone into like full on paranoid mode. And I just am like, I just 
we're never going to leave. Like, we're never going to get out of this house. We're never going to go back to normal. The kids are never going to be able to go to school. And I'm just like, ugh, trying to stay sane about it all. But it's just, it's sad. It's so sad. I should, like, my son should be starting kindergarten this year. And it should be such a fun, awesome experience for him. And they, I think, are proposing, like, a A B schedule. So half of the nice. school goes for half the day and the other half the other day and whatever which is all fine, but, like, even my husband mentioned today, like, if it's, like, airborne and it's not safe, we're not sending our kids back to school. As much yeah. as I want them to go and have that experience, and I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'd be okay with some restrictions, you know, because that's just, they're kind of used to it from life right now. We wear a mask if we go anywhere. But, like, yeah, if it's not, I mean, if it's not safe enough to go back to almost normal, we probably shouldn't be going back at all, so... Yeah, that's just super, super sad and definitely still an adjustment. Like it's July and I can't believe that this is still happening. Well, I don't think any of us thought it would like, I don't know what we thought. It would just like disappear. But like, I don't think any of us thought it would still be like such a big thing. Yeah. And there's just no light at the end of the tunnel for anybody, for the experts, like for us. I mean... Nobody knows what the future is going to look like, which is the most terrifying thing. Yeah. <sighs> I know. I feel you. And just every, all the fallout that um, it's causing, like, between friends and family and, mm-hmm. you know, just our nation in general, just the divide and everything, not just the virus that <laughs> itself, but everything mm-hmm. that goes in with it. It's just, yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're all in it together, which my husband and I were just talking about it. I don't think that makes it better. I think that kind of <laughs> makes it worse. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's just your family going through something. You can distract yourself or you know mm-hmm. you're going to get over it. But when it's literally the entire world, oh, it's yeah. like, <laughs> Don't we're all in this together. Oh. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, mine don't have anything to do with the bigger picture both of my highs and lows are kind of more within our little household here um my high I was super excited about we paid off my car and it's mine now well actually it's my husband's because it was in his name for some reason (laughs) whatever but it's mine my beautiful car is mine no more car payment so that's super exciting um my low is the most random thing so the other night we were all asleep and this is when it was shortly after my husband's surgery on his finger so he was still sleeping on the couch um because it was just more comfortable for him down there like not worrying about it getting bumped he had more like support with pillows to hold it upright blah 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 so he slept on the couch for a few nights and it was one of those nights and I wake up, it had to be like, I think it was about 2am. And I wake up and you know, when you're like in this daze and you're like, I'm like hearing this like obnoxious sound. And I'm like, I sit up and the first thing I do is like grab the monitor and look at it. Everything's fine with Nora. And my husband just comes barreling into the room. He's like, get up, get up, what's happening? And I like, finally fully wake up and I realize it's fire 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 the smoke alarm is going off and our smoke alarm like yells fire at us and beeps (gasps) and like it's not just one that goes off they all go off and they're all screaming fire and beeping and so we're like what's happening and so we're just like i'm still half awake like we're running around the house like obviously we run into nora's room and then we like run into all the other rooms upstairs he had been downstairs so he knew it was nothing down there And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. It just stopped, and it didn't turn back on. And it hasn't since. And we have no idea what it was. And it was the most terrifying sound in the middle of the night. That is literally the last thing you want to hear. Yeah. (laughs) Something screaming fire at you. Oh, my God. I didn't even know they made alarms that did that. Oh, yeah. The first time that happened, I was like, what the heck? Did you did you guys wake Nora up? So we yeah, we went in there and picked her up because like he he right. had no grace to it. He just like busted open the door and flipped on the light. I'm like, 
if there's a fire, you probably wouldn't have needed to turn the light on. Like, you <laughs> but, you know, just wasn't thinking clearly. And, you know, she sits up. She's like, sound, sound. Like, uh-huh. what's that sound? And after we figured out there was no fire up here, I just, like, held her and calmed her down. Like, lay down, go back to sleep. And she did. But just crazy. So I don't know what it was, but it was a literal wake-up call. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, at least you know your batteries all work and everything. (laughs) Yeah, we're like, are the batteries dying? Like, no, normally it beeps at you if that's happening. So I was Googling, like, reasons that your fire alarm could just randomly go off. And it said maybe, like, a bug could have crawled in there or, I don't know, it was just really random. Oh, that's weird. But I don't know, like, how much you guys who are listening believe in signs from the universe. But I'm really, really, really big into that stuff. And have some things in my life that I've been like trying to figure out um directions that I want to go and I was like falling asleep that night like telling the universe like I just need a sign and I kid you not that happened that night and I don't know that was super weird (laughs) (laughs) so is that a sign like do it do it or is it like danger danger right I don't know (laughs) I have no idea. So, I, yeah, whatever that sign was, universe, it didn't help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so scary. I cannot even. That's never, ever happened to me. I can't imagine. How scary no, it was terrifying. Be. It was literally terrifying. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Yeah, Glad everyone's okay. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. We're, it did make us decide, like, we need a we need a, an emergency plan. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. if that did happen, okay. just like, you know, when COVID all started, we're like, we probably should have an emergency kit with like some toilet paper and water <laughs> or whatever. It. Hand sanitizer and toilet Hand paper. Sanitizer, yeah. <laughs> Masks and all that. Stuff. But, all oh, right. Well, our guest tonight is also a podcast host. She has a podcast called Parenting Beyond the Headlines. Um, her name is Dr. Amy Alomar, and she's worked in the field of education as a teacher, teacher educator, researcher, parent educator, and education reformer for over 15 years. She's conducted significant research in the areas of student stress, parent involvement, learning and instruction, curriculum design and implementation, and using reflective practice to support engagement and communication. We're really excited to have her here tonight, so let's welcome Amy to the show. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for joining us. We're so, so excited to talk to you. Um, We would love it if you would tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So um, I'm a mother of three and I live in San Francisco and I started my career as an educator and have kind of evolved um, using what I know works well in education, um, mostly with interactions and conversations with students uh, and using reflective practice and applied that to family practices. So I've most recently been in parent education and kind of working with parents and families in schools and sort of that homeschool connection and supporting families. Most recently in how to educate at home, work from home, (laughs) sort of get along from home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're really busy right now. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So how have you been handling quarantine and everything like that with your children? Yeah. So, you know, it's easy. It's first of all, you know, we always tell parents, right? Like, oh, you have to be grateful, right? So like you try to find that that thing that you're grateful for, right? Like you're healthy, you have a home, you know, you you have a place where you can all sort of be too tight, (laughs) too tightly packed in, Um, you know, and I think that's been sort of our saving grace um, is that gratitude piece, but it's, it's hard, right? Like the privacy is an issue. We're all used to having our own space, even if sometimes that's outside of the home um, or most often outside of the home. So, um, you know, but we were very fortunate to have schools um, for our kids that were able to keep serving them until the summer. Uh, And then I was fortunate enough um, in my work, I also do some consulting with nonprofits working in curriculum design. So I felt very grateful to have kind of a purpose right now. And I think that really helped direct me because I felt like I could give back to the world that was like really struggling. I mean, on a personal level, my husband had lost his job. And so I was sort of like, 
you know, falling into my own downward spiral, but it felt really awesome to just give back and be able to do something that, you know, could impact people immediately with the parent education and supporting students. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's great that you're able to really dive into that. Yeah. And with your podcast that you have, did you, how long have you been doing that? Gosh, it's been two years now. And that started when I lived in Connecticut. And uh, I was trying to help educate. And I got to meet a lot of people in the media about like, you know, how do you, what, what should we be thinking about when we're sending our kids to camp? Or what should we be thinking about in terms of screen time? And there were like all these topics that, you know, I was able to help talk with the press about. And I met this one fabulous reporter, Sarah Cody. She was at ABC in New Haven and we just clicked. And so we decided that like what was really missing, these were just like these quick segments. And what was missing was kind of diving in. So it's called Parenting Beyond the Headlines, right? So what's going on in the news? And, and quite honestly, right now, it's quite heavy, right? We've got a pandemic. Uh, we've got protests. We've got uprisings, which is wonderful to see. Um, and so it's really talking about, like, what's going on in the headlines? What do we talk to our kids about? How do we talk to our kids about it? You know, and how do we support families through that? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we just think that you're a wealth of knowledge. And we thought, you know, especially with what's going on, all those things that you just mentioned, that would be the perfect thing to kind of talk to you about tonight for this episode. And, you know, we're kind of calling it, you know, parenting in 2020 and the new normal. And, you know, so many of us are like, what the, there's so much happening at once. Like, yeah. I don't even know what to do. How am I supposed to parent through this? <laughs> yeah. And actually, so I was just talking with, I had a class earlier today, actually. And talking with parents. And one of the things that we need to do um, as best we can, right, because we are all working with the best we've got, is <laughs> um, finding adult supports. So if you are feeling that stress, if you're noticing even just small things, right, you know, um, if you're waking up a little bit anxious, or you keep thinking about the same thing over and over, if there's um, bigger problems, like maybe changes in your eating or your sleeping, um, you, you really need to deal with that on an adult level and not... Mm -hmm bring it to the family, right? So while it's important to be honest with your kids and share your concerns with your kids, um, you definitely want to seek out your own support. So whether that's just talking with a friend, going for a walk, perhaps it's meeting with a therapist or, you know, a, another professional to help you, a parent coach, um, you know, it's just really making sure that you're being well cared for. It's that, it's that, you know, saying, you know, put your oxygen mask on. I'm sure you guys use that all the time in your podcast, right? Like put yeah. your oxygen mask on before you help others. It's the same thing because your kids will see your fear and your concerns and your anxiety. Um, and you're less able to help them through theirs if you're constantly going through it. So it's not about lying or pretending you're not nervous. It's about saying, gosh, this is what's going on. It's overwhelming to me. This is what I do to cope. I meditate. I take, I do yoga. I'm talking with friends, you know, kind of sharing mm -hmm. your strategies with the kids. Um, young children, you're kind of setting up their coping strategies. As they mm -hmm. get older, you encourage them to find their own. Like, do you want to talk to a friend? Um, you know, what do you think will help you? So that's kind of the way that, you know, I think is the best way to approach it is just take care of you. Because mm -hmm. um, there's really nothing else you can do until you've done that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think also being uncomfortable with that, like discomfort, right? Like you, taking care of you doesn't mean solving the pandemic or making sure no. it's never going to reach your home. It just means making sure you can face tomorrow, right? Like not to be misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my, our, both of our kids are pretty young. Megan has like a toddler. Mine are five and almost seven. Um, so talking about some of these topics has, it's overwhelming and it's really intimidating. Um, their school has been really great about um, talking about the virus. Like we've talked about the pandemic, um, why we're doing the mask thing, why we're staying home, all of that. Um, but beyond that, I have not breached the topic with them about the protests and everything else that's going on because I'm just not sure how to, how to start, you know, yeah. I know that they're, um, that they would get it, I think, but it's so hard and overwhelming to like even bring up that there, there are different viewpoints out there. There is still like hate and a lot of issues out there that are not so pretty to talk about with kids. Do you have, what kind of advice can you offer for that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, just like you might have with the pandemic, I don't know if you did, but maybe sharing some simple podcasts and videos with your kids that are age appropriate to talk about, you know, why do we wash our hands? What does a mask, you know, how how do you wear a mask properly? You know, those kinds of things. Um, And to really help them to see it from their point of view, right? So there are some specialized ones, uh, meaning podcasts. I was just doing an interview on our podcast, Parenting Beyond the Headlines, um, actually two on talking with your kids about race and racism. Mm-hmm. And so um, the uh, Smithsonian uh, Museum of African-American Culture and History, they have a whole website dedicated to teaching and talking. And they encourage parents actually to go through it on their own first to kind of learn and kind of get comfortable with the topics and and what they want to do with their kids and then to kind of broach it as a family. So, you know, there's just one example of an opportunity Mm -hmm. for you, but really finding the way to embrace the conversation. So what, how do you talk about other things, right? It's the same. How might you bring up an election with your kids, which is going to be all over, it is all over the news, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how might you bring up anything? You kind of try to do it through maybe a dinner conversation or maybe it's a learning. Um, maybe it's going on a walk. Do you notice sidewalk chalk out there, um, you know, with different messages? Are there messages that your kids want to share? You know, well, that's a form of, you know, expression. What are you, you know, talking about self-expression and how important it is to be able to do that? And you can find it in the most simple of ways. Your seven-year-old is even um, really old enough to talk about some of the deeper social issues, but you want to start even as young as that toddler you mentioned, right? Like you're talking about, you know, what concerns you in life and you don't do it in a scary way. You do try to shelter from violent images if possible, because that can lead to fear and anxiety. Um, Young children have a hard time distinguishing between real and pretend. Mm -hmm. So you do want to kind of have it come from you as much as possible to contextualize it and then bring in more, right? But what's happening in our world, you know, can be very exciting. And if you can find you know, the good and the bad excitement in there to share with them in that way and liken it to a situation that they understand. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been so frustrated you feel like nobody understands you? And, And for any of your listeners that maybe have tweens and teens, Boy, do they love to talk about being frustrated and not heard, right? <laughs> but toddlers, too. They're not always well heard. Like, it's hard to share our feelings. And sometimes you label my feelings and it's not quite right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just kind of bringing it to them. And, and when I say at their level, I don't mean to dumb it down. I mean to, to make it so that they can be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, asking a lot of questions, you know? Um, and you'll probably be done with the conversations. They'll probably be shorter and smaller with young children sooner than you were, like you're ready to come out there and talk about everything, right? Um, and they might be done after a few minutes, just like they were done when they asked you about something else. Um, mm-hmm. So just kind of being ready for lots of conversations and it's never too young to have them about, about what's going on in our world. Um, but also to get educated for you too. You can do mm-hmm. some adult educating and get really comfortable. Yeah, I think that's so important because, I mean, you know, with the current events that are happening right now, for a lot of us adults, it's just been part of how we go about our lives that race is such an uncomfortable topic. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to talk about. And, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and watching different things, and I'm watching all of these people who are wanting to have these conversations and they're feeling so uncomfortable and Uh you can hear it in their voice you can hear the uncertainty you can hear them shaking you can hear you know people just recognizing all of these things that they've been doing wrong their whole lives and feeling upset about it and just accepting it and being apologetic and just so uncomfortable and to have these conversations with your children when you yourself feel so uncertain and uncomfortable is such a challenge but it has to be done and so whether you ignore something and don't talk to your children about it and let them go off into the world and be taught somewhere else, they're going to learn it one way or another. So that's exactly it- right. Yeah. And when you have a very young child, that's that's true about a lot of things. You you would rather them see it through your mm-hmm. filter first. Kids, um, when they're quite young, they adopt, they sort of mimic our value system, our choice making. And as they grow older into like the late elementary years, they start to develop their own value system and they start to adopt some of ours, some of their friends. They kind of push boundaries, which is great. Um, And you want to have those conversations early and often so that as they're testing out their value system, they can really get some feedback on it. And I want to just kind of 
dial in on something you said about mm -hmm. discomfort, right? So there's several different types of conversations we have with kids, right? And one of them is the uncomfortable conversation. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the thing you do with the uncomfortable conversation, and this could be the conversation about sex, mm -hmm. this could be the conversation about race, this could be this conversation about gender. Um, and what you do is you, you acknowledge your discomfort. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'm a little bit uncomfortable having this, and here's why. And it's also so important, we're going to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And you just face it. You acknowledge it if you are uncomfortable um, and you don't have all of the answers. You will be hopefully shocked by what you will learn from your children. And I will tell you, I, I'm parenting three teens right now. So believe me, <laughs> sheltering in place with three teens is its own adventure. Um, but I'm learning quite a bit. We have a lot of social political conversation in our our home and it gets heated very mm -hmm. heated even though most of the time we're all on the same quote unquote side right i'm like right. we're not arguing i agree yeah. with you <laughs> passionate yelling, yeah. right yeah 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 um but you'll learn from them because if you stop and you ask the question if you pause for a moment and admit you don't know you'll learn from the responses of your child and you'll get answers together where you need them so i think you're you're, you're dead on about that discomfort mm -hmm. um and you have to kind of just say yeah I am and step out of the comfort zone because you want your child to do the same when they mm -hmm. need to come to you. And so you have to model it and you have to make it authentic in your home. Yeah. And if you say, you know, mommy feels upset about these things and mommy's going to do better at this and here's how. And for mm -hmm. your kids to see you, you know, working to better your whole lives as a family and a family unit, I think that's. That's right. Because what we're seeing on the news, you know, here we are three white women. I, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know you well, but just looking at you on the screen, right? I don't yeah. know your backgrounds, but you know, what we're seeing now isn't new. This has been going on for mm -hmm. ages and ages and it's, and it's not unique. Uh, it's unique in some ways to our country, but it's not unique to mankind or, right. or humankind. Right. Right. So um, to talk about that and to unpack sort of, you know, if you have privilege, if you are a person of color, what has your experience been? Um, where have you done a good thing? Where where do you wish you would have known more? Um, mm -hmm. And, it's, you know, to, to kind of show your vulnerability is really important in these conversations and in many conversations about mm -hmm. choice making. Yeah, absolutely. So how how can you help your kids feel safe? with the unpredictable world that we're in. I mean, with so many of these huge things that 2020 has brought us. Yeah, you, well, you guys have young children. So a lot of that is conversation. And um, you've probably heard before, you know, really just your job as a parent is to keep your child safe and letting them know that that's your job, right? Mm -hmm. um, letting them know who's around them to keep them safe. You know, having them draw a picture if they're quite young, they could, you know, put themselves in the middle of the of the paper and they write in or draw all the people in the world that are there to help them, their teachers, their family members, their friends, you know, essential workers. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of help them see that that is part of their safety. And that kind of gives them the bottom, if you've ever heard of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like to know that you have shelter and food, right? Like that, mm -hmm. you need that before you can talk about interpersonal relationships, before you can get to sort of any kind of conversation and, and let alone, you know, camp or, or school. <laughs> um, so, you know, letting them know they're safe, talking about it, limiting their exposure. If you notice there's a lot of anxiety, especially with violent images, but any kind of um, intake, it could be real or pretend. Uh, if you notice there is a, a reaction to it, limiting it. It doesn't mean you have to always turn off the screen because I know we're really dependent on screens right now, especially. Um, but, you know, really thinking about the quality. What are they doing on the screen? Um, can they do it with you? Really monitoring what, what they're seeing and talking about it. Um, mm -hmm. Those are some really good first steps. Making sure you've dedicated family time is important. Uh, making sure you focus on the positive, looking at a practice of gratitude, for example, can really help to brighten uh, what we are grateful for has been shown in research to develop empathy with kids, also a sense of belonging. So, you know, really a practice of gratitude could be at the dinner table as simple as, you know, I'm grateful that we had meatballs with our spaghetti. You know, it can be very mm -hmm. simple and it starts and it becomes a regular practice. Three, three times a week is what you should shoot for. Nice. Family time is crucial. Um, again, if that could be a meal time, fantastic. But if not, shoot for five times a week, 20 minutes, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't, <laughs> you don't have to give up everything. It's yeah. a hike. It's a game night. It's a quick game night, right? Um, but something preferably off the screen where you're engaging with each other. And these are ways when you set these routines, this is what creates another sense of safety for the child. And so really helping them to see like, I'm here to keep you safe. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm scared too. We could get sick. It's a pandemic. We're not, you know, 100% safe. But this is what we're doing to stay safe. And if we get sick, this is our plan, right? So that we're showing them that we're not lying to them. We're not saying you'll never get sick. We're saying we hope we won't get sick. We're trying not to get sick. We might get sick. And this is what we'll do if we get sick. You know, even showing them your insurance card if you're lucky enough to have one. Even talking about the doctor they might know. um, Those kinds of things to really reassure Oh my gosh, I love that because I just think of, you know, think, I think things have evolved a lot from when we were younger and when we were children. And I mean, it's it's so, it's an instincts to want to tell your kids, no, everything's going to be fine. When in reality, we don't know if everything's going to be fine. And, you know, it's just, it makes things so much scarier when you grow up and you realize nothing was ever fine. And, you know, we weren't going to be fine. Right. It's just, it can be so like a slap in the face of reality and that's I love that it's so much information coming at us Mm -hmm. right we just didn't have that when we were younger it didn't exist yeah yeah exactly and I feel like kids know like if something's wrong and you're stressed and worried about something as much as you're gonna try to hide it they're gonna feel that in some way so I think it it's a lot scarier to be like picking up on those things and not know what's going on and not know mm-hmm. why than to just yeah be open with them and have that line of communication and and planning and oh, that's all really good um good stuff good advice <laughs> well I try to practice what I yeah. preach <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and that's why those adult supports come back you know we talked mm-hmm. about the beginning and like really making sure you're processing separately from mm-hmm. helping your kids process Right. Um, so do you, you mentioned um, about like watching the news. We don't put the news on like our big TV for the household to watch. Yeah. Um, but should we for one? And if we do, like, do you think that's something they should be involved in? And do you think there should be a limit on that? So um, I had a good friend once tell me, and I don't know if she got this saying from somebody else but she said stop shooting on yourself <laughs> so there's nothing you should do right like yeah. <laughs> um, and I do believe that like right now nobody's ever parented your child through a pandemic before so I think mm-hmm. you know give yourself a little credit um should you well or do you like to stay up with the news um I I love to know what's going on the first thing I do in the morning is read the newspaper Um, and so one thing, and again, I have older children, but young children can get, there's lots of different versions of the newspaper. There's, there's kid oriented, uh, newspapers out there. And so, or they're not newspaper anymore. They're online. But, um, like one thing, like when my kids wanted to get Snapchat, the deal we had was you have to subscribe to a paper. They could choose which one and they had to read one article a day because the news is important in our family. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, and I would quiz them at the table. Now it's more of an authentic conversation because it's part of our nature, right? Part of our, our group. But I do think it's important if it's important to you and Mm -hmm. important to your family values that it should be present. Now you talked about toddler, I think you said five and seven year old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, finding an opportunity to watch the news together, an appropriate version might be a nice way to introduce it. Mm -hmm. Um, or just talking about it. It's, it's always nice in a conversation to say, you know, I just learned something. Like I said earlier, if you're, if you're wanting to learn something, if you want to learn about talking about race with kids, for example, and you go back and you listen to a podcast that talks about, it, you say, I learned something today. This was interesting. Do you want to listen to this piece with me or just tell them what you heard, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're young. I think it's really up to you. Um, I would say if you did watch the news, you know, the 11 o'clock news or whatever, you know, sure have it on in the background. It doesn't hurt. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not something that you should feel obligated to do. I think the the important thing is that you're talking about the conversations that matter to you and your family and where you feel like you're going to raise, you know, think about your child as a 30 year old adult, right? Mm-hmm. How are they contributing to society that makes you proud? What do you want for them? Mm -hmm. are you doing that right are you modeling that are you asking them the questions that will get them there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you can kind of pick and choose you know what 
door you're comfortable opening to with them, you know, especially right now with so many different things, you know, how much do I really want them to know, especially with younger children starting out? What I mean, with the with your older teens now that just have access to everything, I mean, do you find yourself wanting to shelter them at all? Or is it a little more like the more you know, the better, like, let's just talk about everything? Yes and no. So when they were young, um, sort of the guidelines are shelter them a lot or, or rather shelter, monitor them heavily. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of followed that advice and I looked at every interaction they had online. I looked at all their web history and all that stuff. And what you're really doing when you do that with young children is you're teaching them that this is so important. I'm mm-hmm. taking time out of my day to do this. And you're really teaching them that filter. You're not yeah. actually catching them. You don't want to you know, maybe you catch them, maybe you don't doing something bad, but the idea isn't to catch them because you won't catch everything. The idea is you're talking to them about it, you're saying, well, what do you think I'm afraid you're going to stumble on? Or what, mm-hmm. why do you think I didn't want you to write that? Or, you know, and that way when they reach sort of the late elementary or middle school or high school, depending on your family values, right? For us, it was middle school. Then you start to wean away. You don't check every day. You don't check every interaction. You give them a little privacy. You let them have those conversations. And I check still with my 19-year-old. I still sit down and say, you know, what's going on in your world? And I'll mm-hmm. I'll have to look at it with me. I mean, he, he would not be happy if I just picked up his phone and started looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do I wish you, you asked, do I wish I could shelter them? I mean, sure. Don't you always wish you could just keep them in a bubble? But not mm-hmm. really because... They have these wild conversations and they're teaching me a different outlook in life. And I thought I was so hip and progressive and, you know, I knew so much and I'm learning from them and I'm proud of them. And they're the ones, you know, that are going to make the bigger difference. And I, I just think it's it's phenomenal to watch. Um, I remember holding my oldest and looking at him and literally saying, I don't want you to change. I love you, you know, just like this. Yeah. It gets so much more fun with every bit, you know, their personalities come alive and they're 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 people. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> they're it's fun so to know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so with the protests going on, I mean, would you encourage should people encourage their teens to participate in the student protests? Yeah. So back to the should, right? Like I think if it aligns with your family values Mm -hmm. and you find a way that feels right for your family to participate, there's no reason not to. So this goes back to teaching kids choice-making decisions, right? And every decision, every action comes with a consequence. Usually Mm -hmm. it's something we don't even notice in the day, right? But every action comes with a consequence. So kind of walking through it. And um, I actually teach a class on promoting independence with kids, right? So you know, really making a, a plan. So if they're a young child and and you feel that there's a protest, you can, and, and really the safety isn't so much the protest as the COVID virus, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would yeah. be my number one concern. Yep. So is there a way you can go that you feel safe? Is there a way you can participate? And if so, maybe you join your child. Maybe if they're a little older, they have to call in every now and then. Maybe they have to take a certain route. Maybe they have to promise not to X, Y, or Z. Um, if they've never done something on their own, maybe they need to go with somebody else, if not you. So, you know, you, you come up with a plan that feels safe. If it aligns with your values or it aligns with your child's values and you feel, you know, comfortable with that, I always, I always say, absolutely suggest supporting a child developing their own value system. Like if they can defend their choice mm-hmm. and it seems like a good plan give them a chance, right? Um, Again, the idea isn't to catch them. So if something goes wrong or they sneak out or they do something you didn't expect, right? The idea isn't to catch them, but to talk to them about it. Like, why did you do that? Well, I snuck out because you wouldn't let me go. Oh, Mm -hmm. well, okay. So that doesn't mean we never let you out of the house again. That means next time we let you out and we talk about why I was scared Mm -hmm. uh, and we put a plan in place. So, um, So to answer your question, do I think so? I think if it aligns with your values, if your child feels passionate about it, why not, right? And then yeah. you make your list. If there's if there's enough of a list, then no. And there's lots of ways to support your interests, right? Like there's lots of ways to be active in the world, especially with social media. So you mm. don't just have to show up physically, although that may be really important to your child. And I'd want to know, why is that really important to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if you're kind of a little off off of that subject, but what if your child starts to evolve 
this kind of belief system that totally conflicts with your own. I mean, yep. <laughs> granted, that may be difficult if you're, you know, doing everything, you know, the best that you can and trying to instill these core beliefs in them, but it's going to happen at some point, most likely. What if it's a big thing that you're yeah. really passionate about? Well, and I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with mm -hmm. politics. Um, and I would say, you know, you should support them in who they are. And if they can defend what they believe in, you know, you are raising somebody with your values right mm -hmm. now. Presumably, you know, you believe in these values and you think you're raising somebody to be a good person, whatever you define that as. Right. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's contributing member of society. That's somebody who thinks for themselves. So, you know, you give that to them, you support that environment and you support their decision making. Mm -hmm. And if within their decision making, if they're making choices that lead to something else, you have to try your best to understand it. You could fight back with them. You could argue or debate, mm -hmm. but you do want them to develop as an independent person. And I will tell you, as kids get to be adolescent, and that can be as early as, you know, 10, 12 years old, they will, they will push back. That is their job. You should yeah. be proud of them, that they are supposed to push boundaries. And you tell them that. You say, you know, the, the worst thing to tell an adolescent is like, well, your brain isn't fully formed, so you have to listen to me. You say, your brain is developing, and right now it is primed for risk-taking, and that's awesome. And yeah. my brain is primed to keep you safe, and <laughs> it conflicts, right? And so mm -hmm. we're going to have conflict. That's exactly what conflict is. Um, and so I'm going to justify everything I can, and you're going to try to learn how to justify everything you can. And you give them the opportunities for freedom where you can. There will be times you have to put your foot down and that's okay. But you're not going to change who they are. Like if they truly are that person that is mm -hmm. contrary to you, they will be that person. So you have to try to find ways for them to safely be who they are. Um, and I think it's really interesting to see. I mean, we went, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, like I said, I, I love the news. That's why I have that podcast. Mm -hmm. I like to campaign. I like to go out there. I like to door knock and I actually hate door knocking and phone banking, but I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe, I believe that it, we're lucky to have the ability to vote. So I took my kids out to a swing state and I, I took them door knocking and I told them, I said, I'm going and you can door knock for whomever you want. Thanks. This was in the last election. This wasn't now because I'm scared of the virus. <laughs> but yeah, you yeah. can door knock for whomever you want, mm -hmm. but I'm going and you're going too. So it's like teaching them to me civic duty, right? And and the and preserving our right to vote was that was the value I was teaching. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now if they had chosen an opposite candidate from me, that might have started some bigger issues, and we didn't have that conflict. Right. But you know, right. I, I did believe in it when I said that. I believed that that was what I wanted for them. Um, to stand by their their choice. Yeah, it's just interesting because like my family, they just kind of let us do things as we wanted to, but it was kind of like, well, my parents are Democrats, so I'm a Democrat and that's just the way it was. And I, it wasn't until, you know, even in the last, I want to say like six years or so that I really started to look at like, what does that actually mean to me? And, you know, where do my beliefs really sit? And yeah, they still fell into tune with what my parents instilled in me. And, you know, now I kind of get to pass that along with my daughter and in our family and, you know, hope, see what happens with her. <laughs> but well, and I'll tell you that even def definition changes too. what a Republican or a Democrat was right, right. and is, is changing too. And so, you know, you and your daughter may be on opposite sides on the same. Yeah. <laughs> the same party. Just with like the name calling between parties now, as your kids are watching the news and seeing on social media and just all the hate between the parties right now. Yeah. It's just, I mean, what are I mean, what are your thoughts on explaining that to a kid? So it actually also goes back to your question you asked earlier about how do you help your kids feel safe, right? So this is kind of for both of those is really teaching them fact checking mm -hmm. and like, how do you feel like you have a reliable source? So when we talk about making them feel safe, like I just saw a YouTube video today that somebody had shared and it was all about the science of wearing a mask. And I thought, well, that was interesting, you know, like, so that, you know, it really showed you what was going on. And I think mm -hmm. when you really share with your kids, like, how do you get to the bottom of saying, I said, I watched on YouTube. Well, how did I know that was science versus just somebody putting something on YouTube? Like I'm really talking about it. And mm -hmm. oftentimes my kids will share something with me from TikTok or Twitter or, you know, you name it. <laughs> I don't know it. And they'll share it with me. And, and I'll say like, well, 
you know, is that real? You know, and even just that question <laughs> makes yeah. everybody at least stop and think, right? And even that somebody would post it means somebody thinks something out there, right? Enough to put it out there. And yeah. it can, that's how you start to kind of show them. So, you know, where do you get your news source? Where do you get other sources? Um, when they're writing papers, it's the same thing. You know, as you work in school, you have to cite things. I mean, your kids are young, but they'll cite things. They'll learn how to do that. Well, what does that mean? And where can you find reliable sources? And what does reliable mean? Is this reliable enough for our dinner conversation? Like Wikipedia probably serves for that, right? Like we could probably trust, you know, Wikipedia's biography on a celebrity for our, our cocktail conversation. Right, right. But if we really want to dig deep, maybe we go a little bit deeper than that, right? Um, and maybe we get the, the initial information from Wikipedia, but we also try to verify it elsewhere, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And and you can show them conflicting news stories. I think mm -hmm. that's fascinating to see how people come at something with such different perspectives, sometimes with vehemence about how different it is. Mm -hmm. um, some of the shows even will show people arguing, and I think that's a valid way to teach them, um, you know, how to make an argument. And, you know, why does this matter so much to those two people? And why, how could they see it two different ways? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know, and kind of piecing it together. Yeah, a lot of things. You know, you have a toddler, you said, right? Yeah, she's going to be two. <laughs> yeah, so like you took that pail from her in the sandbox and she'll say, no. That was my, you know, like, yeah. two different sides of the story. Yeah. <laughs> you took that. No, I didn't. It was mine. I was my right to take it. It didn't steal, you know, so yeah. we can see things. And, and if you point to those concrete examples, it can be really helpful in explaining these, these disparities. Yeah. I love that so much. Perfect. Well, we also want to talk to you a little bit about the sheltering in place right now with yeah. children at home. And I mean, in California, you guys are are pretty much like we are here in Washington. I yeah. think maybe, maybe even a little more locked down. I'm in San Francisco and it's been pretty strict in San Francisco. The state has uh, opened up a bit more. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of us are still at home sheltering in place. And so, you know, working from home with young children, we've talked a lot about that on here, but it's just, there's so many different ways to go about it. We'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah. I think, the best thing, if possible, is routine, right? Like, for, first, find your adult supports. <laughs> Be thankful if you have a job because it is really tough out there, right? So, like, okay. try to find your gratitude if that is a struggle. Um, and then finding a routine and really inviting your kids. And your toddler can be part of that conversation. So, for example, if there's a part of the day where you have to have it quiet or you can't have her wandering in, you know, you, you give her a bucket or a table or a set of supplies somewhere that she can tote around in a backpack. Um, and you say like, what would you like to be in this bag? When I give you this bag, I need you to be quiet and doing whatever's in this bag, <laughs> you know, until you see the big hand here, we'll set a timer, however it works. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and really helping to explain what routine looks like posting it if you can if you have a space where you can write it out and then revisiting that routine so it doesn't work because you're really grumpy at this time of day so we're gonna have to move nap or whatever it is right mm -hmm. and and as much as you can invite the child into the planning is great but also just making sure you're flexible and retweaking it and then sticking to it so you can literally point at that schedule like this is where we are i need your help um some of us have luxuries of having help um, you could maybe have virtual help. You could maybe have somebody come in the house. I don't know. Um, you know, I had the luxury, even though I had three teens in the house, which had its own problems, right? Um, they could take care of themselves. So that okay. wasn't a bigger issue for me, right? Um, but it's a matter of finding that space and everybody's routine should have downtime mm. in it where they, it's unstructured time. It should have family time every day, um, at least five days a week, but family time. And everybody should have sleep in their schedule. And there are suggested sleep times. You know, your American uh, Sleep Foundation has them. Uh, but everybody should be getting sleep. And that's one thing where we've seen, you know, kids staying up late, getting, getting off schedule. And then um, everybody should have meal times. So hopefully some of those are together. Mm -hmm. um, maybe your kid can start making some of their own. Like you have like a, a pantry shelf maybe that they're allowed to pick anything they want for lunch off of here. You have to have one of these, one of these, and one of these, but anything you want, right? Yeah. Um, but making sure that everybody has something in their schedule. So it's like meal, downtime, uh, you know, work time, whatever it is. And then 
uh, everybody's getting their sleep. But there, that's not, you know, a silver bullet. Like, you right. know, you're going to get cranky and you're going to get on each other's nerves and you're going to lose your temper. Um, as things open up, I do encourage getting out, moving around, physical activity, um, you know, and not being together. Like, we're having a lot of time together. So, like, yes. part is really good. So, if yeah, you have yeah. friends you can hang out with virtually or grandma can read them a story, you know, mm-hmm. on the iPad. Watching television is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sesame yeah. Street is wonderful. <laughs> That's what we wanted to talk to you about screen time. And, yeah. you know, is is there too is there such a thing as too much while we're at home? You know, it's it's like anything, right? Like quality of it. So if if it's a good program, if it's a program you're watching together, it's probably fine. You know, a lot of people would get on um, the kids for playing video games. And I think those social video games right now are mm-hmm. winners because those are the most social kids out there right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, really like make it the best you can. You'll know when it's too much and kids don't want to watch too much. Right. Like we're probably watching more than we again, quote unquote, should or more than we ordinarily would. Um, we probably aren't getting enough physical exercise. So you want to be mindful of that. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't beat yourself up if you're leaning on the screen to help you out. I mean, we're all looking for a pastime right now. And it's really important to um, kind of baby yourself, take care of yourself, and then recognize when it's too much and have some alternatives. So the quick answer is, sure, it might be too much, but you'll probably know if it's too much. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up over it. I think that's not beating yourself up over it is so important. I, the confession here, I'm like very type A, like follow the rules, yeah. like organize, you know, I'm loving what you're saying about this routine and the schedule. And so when I had my daughter, I'm like, the American Association of Pediatrics says no screen time before they're two years old. So yeah. here I am watching the date, like she's not two yet. I mean, she's going to be <laughs> two on August 5th. Okay. So it's coming up quick. I'm like, man, my life would be so much easier right now if I would just, you know, cave yeah. in. But my, I'm just having this internal conflict with myself. Like, I don't want to start it. And how do I start it? And I know that's just something silly for myself. But well, just giving yourself that permission that it's okay. Yeah, I mean, and that is true. They do still recommend that. And they actually, it's gotten a little bit fuzzy, their recommendation. What used to be, I, I think it was five, I want to say. And then they were like, well, just worry about the quality versus the quantity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost impossible. And even your non two year old has probably seen you on the phone and, you know, understands that this is a piece of our communication right now. Uh, And it's not the worst thing. I mean, you know, it's not the best thing. It's not the worst thing. As long as you have books in the house and Mm -hmm. make sure that part of her day is looking at books, part of her day is putting together puzzles, you know, like, again, my teenagers, they watch way too much television, but even they will turn it off and be like, that's enough. Nice. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's like you, you do know and you can, and you're there to help them regulate, but you know, really it's okay. If you have to get something done, it's not the devil. It's not. Yeah. yeah. We, we do a pretty good job in our house of trying to at least do some of the screen time together So, like, we'll have family movie time where we can, like, talk about what's going on in the movie or whatever or play video games together. So, at least they're, like, you know, problem solving and interacting with us and making it kind of a fun thing instead of just letting them sit and veg for hours, which I can't say doesn't happen either. You know, there's a good balance. But, yeah, it's so, there's just so, it's so tough right now on everyone. I think it's important just to not have too high of expectations of everyone right now. Like we're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. That's what, that's what my mom says. If you do the best you can, nobody can ask anything else of you. I I, I was complaining because all the biggest fights in our house over what we're going to watch and, you know, on the main television. And my friend said to me, how do you get your kids to watch TV with you? And so, you know, I didn't even think of that as being a good thing. Like, oh, we're fighting about it, but that's because they want to be together. They're not all splitting up. So there you go, right? Like, try to see the silver yeah. lining. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. We've been struggling. My husband and I have been having lots of conversations about the fact that like, we've been on our screen so much more around our daughter. And yeah. just having, like, that conscience, my, conscious mindset of, not doing it as much because yeah she doesn't see screens a lot herself but she's watching us just be 
zombies to our phones. I mean, and it's so easy to get sucked in, even if you're not doing work or if you are. You know, sometimes I have to tell her, like, mommy's writing an email right now. I can't put my phone down. I'll be done in a minute. But there's times where I'm just scrolling Instagram and I realize, oh, my gosh, I've been doing this for 15 minutes and my daughter's just right here. And, you know, it's really hard to not beat yourself up about that. It is hard, but that's your downtime. Remember, unstructured time. Everybody needs downtime in their day. So as long as you're aware of it. Maybe you set a timer for yourself if it's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. But um, Or maybe you say, my downtime is going to be during her nap time or something like that. But really, it's, yeah, don't beat yourself up because yeah. you're your only choice right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. You're the one that has to raise her. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, no pressure. <laughs> right. Gosh, well, thank you so much for chatting with us. That was a lot of... Of course deep heavy stuff and I appreciate your opinions and outlook and I think we got some really good advice and and some tips that we can all kind of work on right now yeah um I know that life can't always be perfect and structured and routine and (laughs) all of that and so we are really big on our hot mess moments around here we love sharing the real dirty side of life (laughs) and motherhood um so we were wondering if you had a hot mess moment that you'd like to share with us you know, when you mentioned that, I the first thing that came to my mind was so long ago, and I don't know why, because I've had plenty of hot mess moments, even this week. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the one that just, I this has sort of haunted me, but I remember I was at the swim class, and I had all three of my kids at the time, and the youngest was in a sling, and he was the first I ever put in a sling. The others, I didn't even know what a sling was, and... <laughs> I remember like one of them spilled snacks everywhere and I think I was dressing or showering another one and I noticed I was I was well you can't see because it's a podcast but I was bent over and the sling was sort of swinging and the baby was sort of like and I thought well this doesn't feel right but I you know, it's like in the middle of three different things. Um, and in that moment, I was just thinking about this. I met one of my dearest friends. He came and I, had, I hadn't met him before. And he came and he was helping me pick up the snack. And uh, he had his kids in swim lesson too. And we're still friends to this day. And I swear it was like, it could have gone so wrong. Like wet floor, shower, you know, soap, <laughs> sling swinging there in the air. Um, that was that felt really wrong. Like I, I was not being my best self. <laughs> <laughs> and now look at that. All these years later, you can look back and laugh on it. And, so. and they're alive. They're yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, before we finish up, we um, would like to end our episode. We just do a fun little like rapid fire question game. Okay. Um, nothing too scary. <laughs> but, but yeah. But if you're ready, we'll just ask some of these fun questions. So, um, do you own a bicycle? I do. Do you find handlebar mustaches to be handsome? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) What is wind? What is wind? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of gas. No, I'm thinking of burps. (laughs) 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 That works. Um, which animal adds more joy to the world, squirrels or llamas? Oh, llamas. On a scale of one to ten, how much do you enjoy garlic? Oh, I love it. Ten. <laughs> Who inspires which you? Which might be the gas wind. <laughs> <laughs> Related to <don't> it. <laughs> so who inspires you? My husband. If you could push a button and make everyone in the world 7% happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hairstyling products, would you push it? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at me. It's just sitting here. <laughs> I feel like right now that's an easier question. Since yeah, exactly. Yeah. About the COVID hair going I'm gonna on. I'm going to do the COVID cut as soon as yeah. the hair, haircut's okay. <laughs> uh, if... If there was a hair in your soup at a restaurant, would you return it? Oh, yes, I would. I'm sorry. I, I can't stand that. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, what's the most boring thing ever? Oh, the most boring. Th- oh, you've stumped me. <laughs> I don't know. 
I'll have to get back to you on that. The most boring <laughs> thing ever. Oh, it's so funny. Actually, my daughter was just saying today, remains of the day. She said it was allergic to plot. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> I read it for book club and I made the kids watch the movie with me. Nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, last question. Um, how do you feel about cranberries? Oh, I love them. Dried. Yeah. Mm. And in juice form. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah. Thank that you. That was so fun. Much. I like that. Yeah. Yay. We get some like thinkers for yeah. sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Good questions. <laughs> awesome. So before we wrap up, um, where can people find you and check you out and listen to your podcast? Yeah. I'm amyalamar.com. That's just my name. Um, and then the podcast is parentingbeyondtheheadlines.com. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to find. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. Yeah, we had such me. a good conversation with you. And I feel like this is going to be really helpful for so many people because we're all in this together right now. And, you know, every stage of life with our children, there's all challenges that we yeah. have. So it is. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and it gets more exciting every day. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you like this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the conversation in our Facebook group at Boss Ladies and Babies. And until next time, stay stay bossy. bossy.